I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with privacy attorney Ileana Peters of the law firm Polsonelli about COVID-19 information-related privacy and security issues, including misconceptions that are emerging as businesses across the country begin to reopen. So, Eliana, as we know, HIPAA pertains to covered entities like healthcare organizations, hospitals, health plans. It also pertains to business associates or vendors that create, receive, maintain, or transmit protected health information while performing a service for a covered entity. So when we hear about retail complexes, restaurants, and other non-healthcare sector entities requiring individuals to reveal whether they're tested positive for COVID-19 and related sorts of information, does HIPAA pertain to any of that at all? And if not, any other privacy laws that this falls under? There seems to be some urban myths that are being proliferated right now about how HIPAA may or may not apply in these situations. I think you're exactly right on in the way that you described it. You know, HIPAA's jurisdiction is really fairly limited. And that may be one of the reasons that Congress is considering additional legislation right now, including for things like contact tracing. But HIPAA's jurisdiction really only applies in the healthcare sector to healthcare entities that interact with insurance payments, that is providers that bill insurance companies and the insurance companies that pay them. And then, as you said, the vendors that they work with that get access to that data. So, you know, any particular person can share their health information with any entity who asks if they want to. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to, but certainly any entity can ask for that information And if that information is coming from a particular individual, then that interaction is not covered by HIPAA. The individual obviously has the right to share their health information with whomever they like, and any entity, whether they're covered by HIPAA or not, can ask for that information from the individual. It's up to the individual how they want to share their information. Certainly, if some organizations ask for that information and collect it and maintain it in a certain way, there may be state law requirements that apply to that information outside of HIPAA. And of course, the Federal Trade Commission jurisdiction may extend to interactions where their collection of information, for example, happens online pursuant to an entity's privacy policy. So there may be other laws that apply under state law or federal law like the FTC's jurisdictional issues, but really interactions with the individual are fair game. And it's really up to the individual to decide how they want to share their information with any particular organization for purposes of getting services or interacting with a website or using a particular application pursuant to that interaction. So if businesses collect COVID-related information about their customers or their employees or employee family issues, how should these entities protect that data? Does it depend on the sector that they're in? Does it depend on the state that they're in? What should they do? Again, great question. And the short answer is yes. So essentially, any time a business um, is collecting information, they do need to be aware of what the requirements are for protecting that information under state or federal law. And the requirements are very different, but depending on 
as you say, what sector they're in and what state the individual who is the subject of the information resides in. So just a reminder that arguably the state law applies based on where the individual lives, not based on where the business is located. So it may be that, for example, in, a, in an area like the Northeast where individuals cross state lines all the time, there may be multiple state laws involved. If you have someone that lives in Connecticut, but they're receiving services in Massachusetts, you may have Connecticut law involved instead of Massachusetts law, for example. So it's really important that the company, as they collect information, take certain steps. And the way that I would describe that is, number one, the company should not collect any information that it doesn't actually need to do some function. The more information you collect, the more risk it creates for the organization, particularly given the risk of data breaches. So if you don't have the information because you didn't collect it in the first place, you don't have to protect it against, for example, data breaches. So again, it's really about making good choices about what information you actually need for some particular purpose, only collecting that information, keeping it secure, and again, that may depend from a state and federal perspective on what type of information it is. For example, consumer information may need to be kept separately from employee information, and even with regard to employee information, health information about employees may need to be kept in separate files in their HR record from the rest of their HR information. So, you know, it may depend very much not only on what the information is, but who it's about. So you want to make sure that you're maintaining that information in the appropriate way according to state or federal law and in a secure way because step three, you want to make sure that you're protecting it from a data security perspective to make sure that only those individuals who need access to that information for purposes of the specific functions that you've collected that information, have access to the information, and that you're protecting it against security threats as well. So, Eliana, are there any other top misconceptions about the privacy and security surrounding COVID-19-related information that you'd like to dispel? Again, I'm getting a lot of questions, particularly about COVID testing. There's a lot of conversations that are happening about testing, doing testing for different purposes and the different kind of tests that are available. And I think it's really important for anyone who is going to try and use these test results to really understand, number one, what the tests are, what they test for, and how they can collect and maintain the information, the testing information, the test results in a private and secure way and only use it as appropriate. So the idea is there's a couple of different types of tests out there. There's PCR testing, so that is testing for an active case of COVID. That's usually done with a swab, and that swab testing is obviously highly regulated by the FDA. There's only certain people that can do that type of testing. There's only CLIA labs that can process the test, and those tests are really just for purposes of understanding whether or not an individual has an active case of the virus. Then there's antibody testing. Antibody testing is still pretty new. It still is under review by the FDA. It's still very unclear what those test results mean 
in many ways because there are different levels of antibodies that are detected by different types of tests, and all of that research is still ongoing. Those tests, to be reliable, must also be conducted by a CLIA-certified laboratory. And so, you know, it's really about understanding the difference between the, the test for an active case of COVID and then the test for antibodies related to COVID, what those two tests mean, the results, what the results mean, and how that information can be obtained and how it can be used. Because CLIA-certified laboratories have to conduct this, these types of testing, the vast majority of CLIA-certified laboratories are covered by HIPAA. So if you are an employer, for example, and you want to test your workforce, either with regard to active cases of COVID or with regard to antibodies, you need to make sure that you engage appropriately with the lab that's going to provide you with the test results because that lab can't provide the employer with test result information unless there's a HIPAA authorization to do so or unless that testing is paid for by the employer and is for purposes of OSHA reporting to a state or federal OSHA agency. So in the vast majority of cases, if you're not reporting workplace or illness or injury, or you're not reporting issues with PPE surveillance in your workplace, you're not reporting issues related to bloodborne pathogens, these are all OSHA issues. If you're not reporting test results, to OSHA or related information to OSHA about workplace safety, then what you're going to need is a HIPAA authorization as an employer to get that information from the lab that conducts the test about your employees. You can condition those HIPAA authorizations in certain circumstances where you need that information to determine fitness for duty, for example, but you will still need a HIPAA authorization. So a lot of employers don't understand that in order to get test result information from a lab that's covered by HIPAA, they likely will need a HIPAA authorization to do so. So, you know, there's a lot of entities now that have very little familiarity with HIPAA because they don't deal with it on a daily basis that are now trying to figure out the ins and outs of COVID testing and how the interactions with HIPAA work as well. So, Eliana, what other privacy and security COVID-related issues do you foresee businesses facing as they reopen, and how should these entities tackle those issues? There are a lot of issues related to just generally how we are going to keep COVID-related information private and secure, as we've already talked about, but also sort of how to deal with continuing issues of, of workforce working from home, how to safely reopen in terms of using that information for contact tracing, how to interact with media and social media, which has been so much a part of the conversation about COVID. And all of these have privacy and security implications. So trying to do the best that we can with using information that we may get from consumers or our employees to make sure that we provide safe environments, keeping in mind you know, the privacy concerns of those folks in handing over their information, you know, updating privacy policies on websites as applicable, as we said, talking about data security protections and only the collecting the information that we need, potentially working with those HIPAA authorizations to get information from labs about our employees, and then doing contact tracing. How are we going to do that if we're going to do that as a business? Obviously, state, municipal, federal, public health departments have been doing contact tracing 
for years and years related to other different types of conditions, and they have a much more robust system for doing that. But outside of those public health authorities, how are we going to do contact tracing in a private and secure way? Congress is looking at this right now, but really understanding how these applications work, what we're agreeing to as consumers when we participate in the use of these type of of applications, how our information is going to be used, how it's going to be kept private. And then finally, as I said, really making sure that our interactions with media and social media are appropriate. Again, this information is incredibly private, incredibly sensitive, and we do want to make sure that even if we're not a HIPAA-covered entity, that we consider the implications of sharing private health-related information on social media, whether it's about our employees, about our consumers, or with the media. I would argue that we shouldn't be doing that really in any form or fashion without the consent of the individual, whether it's a media consent or social media consent, making sure that we have the appropriate interactions with our employees and our consumers to understand the concerns they have about any sharing of this information and to make sure that we're doing it in an appropriate way so everybody can participate in the discussion fully. Thanks, Eliana. I've been speaking to privacy attorney Eliana Peters. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.